0: And I, I just remember laying there at night and I just couldn't couldn't sleep because I couldn't believe I was going to be calling the ball off Elf and throwing it to Steve Renoff, you know. like Just kids. I was a kid sort of, you know, two, three years ago sitting there watching them with all my mates out in Roma when they were winning grand finals together, you know. So it was a bit of a spin out. I think, I think it's like uh, anything in, in, in
1: You're listening to Trademuts 120 Grit podcast, the podcast for the working class. Hosted by Dan Allen and Ed Ross, the co-founders of Trademutt.
2: If you're a fan of Trademut's 120 grit, we'd love to hear what you think. Send us a message on Facebook or Instagram or shoot us an email at admin at trademutt.com. This is a bloody good episode to kick off the year. Darren Lockyer was an Australian Rugby League international and Queensland state representative captain who played his entire professional career with the Brisbane Broncos. Having debuted for the Broncos at just 17 years of age, Lockyer was destined for greatness and achieved every bit of his potential through hard work and dedication, while maintaining his humble roots instilled in him in the Queensland town of Roma.
1: In this episode, we get an honest and open insight into the mind and attitude of one of Australia's greatest ever athletes, an icon of rugby league and a true sporting champion. Throughout this yarn, Lockyer reinforces his attitude that success does not come easy, but with dedication, consistency and focusing on doing the little things right, every man or woman can achieve greatness. Enjoy.
2: How good was this episode? That's a cracker.
1: But first, here's a message about our legendary sponsors who make this podcast for the working class possible. QuoteSpec is the newest building and construction quoting app created and designed by a working builder. Produce job-winning professional
2: quotes in minutes with QuoteSpec's cloud-based quoting software. Get your free trial at www.quotespec.com and be prepared to get your life back.
1: Get it back. All right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to uh, Trademutt's 120 Grit podcast, the podcast for the working class. Absolute honour this morning to have Rugby League Royalty here in the uh, podcast studio. He's played 355 NRL games for the Brisbane Broncos, 36 state of origins for Queensland. and 59 tests for Australia. Mr. Darren Lockyer, welcome.
2: Thank
0: you. Thank you.
2: Mate, it's great to have you in here. <laughs> yeah. You've been you've been through the wars, though.
0: Oh, the, <laughs> oh a couple of battle scars, yeah. yeah. I was uh, recently in Queenstown, and um was over there with my wife and, a, and some friends of ours, and I was walking home. We'd, we'd sort of had a, a good afternoon, and we found this cowboy bar, and they were playing some good music, so we went in there and had a look, and then they had a mechanical bull going, so... I decided to give it a go, coming from Roma, um, not that I ever rode a, a real bull, uh, I decided to give the mechanical bull a go, and a bit of skin off the, the knuckles there. But
2: story to tell, mate. Yeah, story to tell.
0: How <laughs> no uh, good's Queenstown. No, I no video, but yeah. it's a story to tell. Yeah, righto.
1: Bloody oath, bloody oath. So, um, yeah, mate, awesome to have you in here. I mean, uh, great way to kick off the new season. I'm... Interested in your, your background, you're a Roma boy, country lad. Did you grow up in, in Roma or on a place?
0: No, I I, uh, I was born here in Brisbane. Um, I lived the first eight years of my life here. I actually started out as an AFL player. I yeah, um, okay. played for the Springwood Pumas down there at Springwood for a couple of years. And then mum and dad decided to pack up and take a job opportunity with ESSO, uh, which then became BP to run the truck stop in a place called Wondowan. Oh yeah, right. righto. Yep. Um, so I lived right next to a... a next door to the truck stop for four years, and that was where I started playing rugby league because, you know, in Wondowan, that was pretty much the only game they played. There's no AFL out there. And then in, uh, it was 80, uh, 89, um, we went from there over to Roma, and I lived there for about seven years. So people ask me where I'm from, I always say Roma, because that's yeah. where I spent most of my childhood. Um, Wondowan still sort of, you know, there's still the place in my heart for Wondowan, but often I just tell everyone from Roma. Well, yeah. I think I
2: saw that your old man was an AFL player as well,
0: wasn't he? Yeah, he played for, for MorningSide yeah. um, here in Brisbane. Uh, he was pretty handy at the time, but he, he blew his knee out in the late 20s when he was in his late 20s and you know back then once you had a knee injury they just removed all your cartilage, so it pretty much puts an end to your, to your footy career and so yeah, he didn't. He didn't. He had a couple of trials down south um, for the AFL, but didn't quite get there. Yeah. So okay. if
2: not for that move to Roma, you could well have been lost to uh, to AFL.
0: Well, who knows where <laughs> I would have ended up? You know, <laughs> like I, uh, I enjoy. I loved it as a kid up playing the game. I still follow it a bit now. Um, uh, I was I was mid eighties was when Hawthorne were uh, were very good. Uh, they pretty much played in every second grand final that decade and. Springwood were very close to the Hawthorne Colours, so that's that's who I've sort of barracked for as a kid, and I still do.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. AFL man. Yeah. Unreal. Mate, uh, so you you were playing for Roma, and then you got scouted to the Broncos at a fairly, fairly young age?
0: Yeah, I, I was playing at an under-14 state carnival uh, up at Caboolture, and I, that was the first time the Broncos had sort of approached me and sort of said, you know, hello, and you know, we want to, um, I guess, monitor you your football from here and so the guy's name was Cyril Connell, Cyril's not with us anymore but uh, he was a a legend of the club and he was a well-known scout for the Broncos so whenever he was um, in attendance at these carnivals everyone would know about it and everyone wanted to play their best game of footy.
1: Yeah,
2: amazing. At the age of 14, sorry, was it?
0: Yeah, 14. So they, they, you know, they're still, today, they're still looking at kids 13, 14 years old um, just to get a bit of an idea of who excels in that arena. That's not to say those guys that are excelling at that level are going to make it, but they just, it's sort of the first time that they start to make contact with those those players and the, their parents and just start to build a relationship
2: were you did you at that time did you understand like the potential gravity of that kind of attention or like was it on you know was that sort of on your radar Uh
0: look i think i think like any teenage kid you don't like i always loved sport so you know watching wally play for queensland you know, watching the broncos you know i, I think we all have dreams that we want to do that um, any young male or female at that age if they can excel at the chosen sport, well, it's a dream, you know. So, for me, it was exciting, but at the same time, um, yeah, there's a long way to go.
1: Yeah, how did you handle that at a young age? Like, how did you, you know, not get too far ahead of yourself?
0: Um, well, I think the good thing is that you start to believe that it's it's a possibility then, so you start to, I guess, take, take it a little bit more seriously. And for me, I've always... T- Held that view that if you you know if you want to succeed in life you got to you got to work hard you know whether that's in sport just in business or in work in general you know th- there's no uh, there's no easy success out there so for me it was just to go back and maybe just get a little bit more serious about the way I prepare and train myself um, you know as a, as a player
1: yeah amazing I mean. To have that, uh, yeah, at that young age, and to be able to, I suppose, handle it, and then still push on. And I suppose you debuted for the Broncos when you were seventeen.
0: Uh, I was, I was eighteen, but I first came to the Broncos as a seventeen-year-old, and you know, um, it, was pro- it was the end of nineteen ninety-four, where the club said to us, "Look, how would you?" And it was Wayne Bennett came and sat next to me at, at a carnival at Ipswich, um, and he said to, he sort of pulled me over to the side. We sat on the on the hill there at, um, at Ipswich, and he said, "Look, how would you like to?" Come, and, you know, come to the Broncos next year and play in our under-18s team. So back in those days, you had first grade, reserve grade, at under-20, 23s competition, and you had the Colts, which was the under eighteen. So that's when I, was, you know, obviously I said, you know, without a doubt, um, <laughs> I'm coming to Brisbane. Uh, and they, you know, the Broncos are very good at making sure that you feel comfortable. So they'd, they'd, um, they'd line up a... a a family for me to go and live with i didn't know them but there was a family over here at seven hills um, amazing and that was you know uh, you're sort of a bit nervous about that but at the same time you know they allow you to you know to sort of focus on your footy uh, you know i worked at the lees club um i was a carpenter back in in roma but i was working at the lees club while i was waiting for a transfer of my apprenticeship and in the period of waiting for that to happen um i got a crack at first grade so you're an old chippy I'm an old chippy, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> got. Um, I was halfway through second year apprenticeship. Um, it, there's a bit of a story to that too, because it, what happened was uh, the I was I finished year ten. I went and did a TAFE course for twelve months for the first year of my apprenticeship. and the second year, I went out and worked for a, a building company in Roma, um, and, and I'd had a scholarship with the Broncos at the time, and I was playing for the, the local team out there, the City's Gladiators, and we were taking the builder was taking a lot of these sort of um, Rural jobs where we were going, you know, up and in, up into the sort of hinterlands, so to speak, you know, to build these log cabins. So when I was going away with him, we were going away at sort of four or five weeks at a time, and I was missing out on my footy. Mm. I wasn't, so I had to make a choice. I remember sitting down with mum and dad. You know, like I said, I like I got a scholarship at the Broncos, and I really want to give that a red hot crack. And you know, obviously, the advice from a parent was, well, you know, footy's not. You know, that might not work out. You need to have a, a trade or you need to have a qualification. Devil's time. Advocates. Yeah. So, and I can understand where they were coming yeah. from. But anyway, we we came to the decision that I'd, I'd leave that building company and try and get a transfer with another company in town at the time um, while well, I can go back and concentrate on, on, you know, giving my footy a crack as well.
2: Yeah, amazing. Yeah, interesting. Well, we, I guess when it comes to sport, when it comes to having a crack at sport, there's only like a finite like a period of time in your life where you can actually have that crack at that, you know. I mean, we worked with Jesse, who was a young soccer player, and he was sort of caught up in the same uh, predicament. Same thing, yeah. yeah, whether do I continue with my apprenticeship to have that safety net or do I have a crack? And I was always, mate, just go and have a crack at the sport like because you're not going to – you can come back and do an apprenticeship any time, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I, uh, I agree with that. I think if it's something that you, you've got a desire you want to do or achieve, then you know, give it a go. And um, if it doesn't work out, you can fall back and you know, I guess start either start again or pick up where you, you, left, know, where off. you left off. So yeah, that,
2: that move to to Brisbane with uh, so you were being billeted, I guess, with a family. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, they were a nice family. Um, and you know, in terms of you'd come home from training, you know, you'd have a meal cooked, and um, you know. Not, you won't always rely on them to wash your clothes, but they're just—I guess—it <laughs> was just having that—that that sort of that homely pr- feel, that homely feel yep. that allowed you to then, you know f- focus on um, you know, giving yourself the best chance to you know, to um, achieve your football dreams.
1: Amazing, and I suppose the next part is you debuting for the Broncos. So run us through like the mindset of you being picked. Like you obviously, you're over the moon with you know happiness and you're, you're so keen because it's been a dream but like before like you know they're five minutes before you run out for your first game like run us through what you were what was going through your head
0: you know, I remember the week vividly because I, I hardly slept because um, you know I'd gone from under 18s and then which is four grades below first grade to then being elevated up into the reserve grade team and then sitting on the bench for first grade it was against Parramatta down at Parramatta Stadium in 1995 and and i i just remember laying there at night and i just couldn't couldn't sleep because i couldn't believe i was going to be calling the ball off Elf and throwing it to steve Renoff, you know like just kids done i was a kid sort of you know 2 3 years ago sitting there watching them with all my mates out in roma when they were winning grand finals together you know so it was a bit of a spin out i think i think it's like uh anything in 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 that sporting arena it went you achieve you achieve something, but at the same time, you you, you feel responsible that you have got to do your job while you're there. So, it immediately that on the day it would switch from, you know, being in this surreal environment to then okay, well, what have I got to do to not let my teammates down? You know, I've got to do my job. What is my job? How do I do it? Um, and that'll give me obviously that gives you the best chance of getting picked next week.
1: Trying to stay present, I suppose, just be more in the moment and know what, you're, yeah, what you've set out to do and what you have to get done.
0: Yeah, I always found that was a way to calm your nerves too. You, you sort of, you know, you can, the bigger the game, obviously, the more nerves you got, and What happens is you start to drift away and think about what the outcome might be. You're sort of saying to yourself, I hope I play well, I hope our team wins, when really you should sort of narrow your focus down to, well, what have I got to do in the first five minutes of the game? And, I, and, as, and immediately after I did that, it just sort of took the nerves away because I could focus on something tangible and once you got it five minutes into the game, you go, well, what have I got to do the next five minutes? You, know? you just break it down.
1: Did that ever go away in your career? Like, up until sort of when you finished, like, were you still having pre nerves and, like, you know, before a game? Or Yeah, did yeah. You, yeah. yeah, no. Never, uh, s- never stopped?
0: Yeah, no, never stopped. The nerves are always there, and I think that's a good thing because it means you care. Um, you know, I was probably built more around fear of failure. Like, you know, we all want to win. I hated losing as well. I'm competitive, but I, I was probably uh, of, of the... I guess what drove me was uh, I just didn't want to fail um, on my assignment and I didn't want the team to fail.
2: Yeah. Did you feel out of place amongst those players, Alf and Steve, and Locke did you feel like you kind of, you know?
0: Uh, no, the, and that's a good thing, you know. When you come into a good culture, a good environment, whether they're, you know, 10 years older than you or they've been there for five years, uh, you know, they, they all made you feel welcome. You know? And I remember... I remember we, we scored a try. I think I passed the ball to Steve Renoff and he went away and scored the try. I mean, we, we, we were winning the game quite comfortably at the time. But, you know, you know Glenn Lazarus came over and just sort of pat me on the, on the back and said, See, young fella, it's not that hard, is it? You know? And that's so having, having sort of you know, leadership and senior players in your organisation giving you encouragement um, is it's pretty, it's, it's pretty crucial to make those new people feel welcome.
1: Yeah, bloody oath it would be, yeah, especially when you're first starting out. Um, that's, like, when you were playing under Wayne when you first started, like, how important was he sort of as a mentor um, for you as an individual, as a player?
0: Oh, look, he's without doubt the most influential person I've had in my footy career. And I think I think where his real strengths lies is when you're doing it tough or he knows that you you might be a bit down. He's always... I think had that. Yeah, he's had that empathy for players, and he can see it and pick it when players are struggling a bit. And I think you know, he, the biggest testament to, to Wayne is that the players will play for him, um, and that's because he cares about his players. And um, you know, so for me, you know, over my 14 years playing underneath him, um, the, the real, I guess, times where you know I I guess you know, um, really appreciated his mentoring was when. And times were tough, you know, when you weren't when you were winning footy games or you are out of form or something might have happened, um, you know, away from the footy field, you know, he was always, you know, a really good sounding board to sit there and, and discuss.
1: So you were reaching out to him or he was sort of reaching out to you when you were down? Like? Oh,
0: I think it's a bit of both. I think yep. he, you know, he's been around long enough and can see the signs. Uh, so, you know, I think that's, that's, you know, he's been doing it for a long time, um, but I think what, he's got that relationship where he makes people feel comfortable to go to him and I, I think another sort of testament to, to, to Wayne is that there's players that he coached you know 30 years ago that are still calling him for advice. Yeah.
1: amazing. Mm. Wow yeah. That's some serious. He like seems to be quite an intuitive, intuitive bloke, doesn't he,
2: Wayne? Like, and for a squad, I mean, how many in an extended squad? Like 17, 17 and thirty, so like. So you
0: got seventeen sort of players every week. Yeah. There's thirty in the squad, yeah. but then you got to manage, you know, the, the younger development players. Yeah. So there's a lot of players you got to manage and
2: staff as well. Yeah. Like absolutely everyone.
0: Yeah, so he, you know, he's as I said, I think, I think because of his experience in life, um, you know, he's been through adversity himself. You know, growing up and been, you know, in the police force, so. Um, yeah, he's he's definitely got some life lessons there that he he's he's willing to sort of um, you know share with others to help build and, and help um, I guess make people more resilient. But yeah.
2: also from everything I've heard, he really seems to take the time to understand each individual for in for their uniqueness, I suppose, and then manage that in whatever way you know they need to be.
0: Yeah, so he's not you know. One approach fits all. He's he, that's I mean he gets to know the individual and understands what works and what doesn't with those people, and um, he gets a tailored approach to each each player.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. And I suppose how how important do you think it was in your career for actually asking for help and like seeking out advice from from people um, you know, yeah, sort of above you.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm a bit of a thinker. So I, if I've if I, if I've uh, sort of if there's something sort of troubling me or going on in my Life. I often sit there and think about what I need to do to sort of, you know, to fix it. Um, and sometimes that's it's, it. Can be as easy as just talking to your wife. Because it, what ha- often happens is we've got things building up inside us, and we suppress it, and we don't actually talk about. it And sometimes you don't need to talk about. Someone's going to give you the answer. You just need to get let it off your chest. Out, yeah. You know, so going to your wife or going to a mate. Um, you know, and, and obviously having you know, mentors like Wayne around helps, but. It's not always about trying to get the answers from someone. It's about just being able to get it off your chest.
1: Well, you're able to sum it, you, most of the time work it out yourself while you're having that conversation, you know, with other people, I find. This um, is
2: exactly why people put such an emphasis on actually being open and actually talking because it's just that process of opening your mouth most of the time and hearing it, words come out of your mouth. It helps you process and figure it out, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, yeah. and the
0: more you suppress something, the, m- the bigger it gets. And then, you know, you know often... And I see it in, in the sporting world, and I'm sure it happens out in, in, in the world of, you know, uh, the real life, I suppose <laughs> you could call it. Um, you know, you know, people suppress it, and the way they deal with it sometimes is, you know, they go and drink, um, which just makes things worse, you know. like uh, At the end of the day, um, as I said, if, if I think you can sit there and just talk to a mate and not have to demand the answers and just sort of... Blurt out what's going on in your life you'd, You actually feel relieved Chew the fat Yeah Chew yeah. the
1: fat <laughs> yeah, yeah Mate I suppose Yeah Touching off that would be You wrote in your book During 96, 97 There was You having a bit of trouble gambling um, Your parents had reached out to Wayne Because they were sort of worried about you Can You sort of run us through How that sort of
0: Yeah I was um, I guess exposed to gambling at a young age And I Yeah, yeah I was um, Happy to have a little bit of You know Two bob each way when I was... But, but I think where it escalated was I started earning good money playing footy. So all of a sudden the $2 each way bets were starting to go to $20 each way and then 200 each way, you know. And then I uh, I remember um, I just I'd, uh, obviously had a bad day on the punt. And I, 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 I like to go for a run. It's my sort of thinking time, my meditation time. And um, I just sort of was thinking you know what, what I'm not doing it for the right reasons you know to have a bit of fun gambling and punting with your mates is about the social engagement and about having fun it's not about the to I mean obviously the objective is to win money that's that's <laughs> yeah. more fun than losing it. Yeah. but um it was probably getting out of hand because I was doing it for the wrong reasons I was doing it to try and win big you know and that's really not that's not what you know gambling's sort of designed to do um but for me, I just so I don't. I'm earning good money what I'm doing playing footy. I don't need the stress in my life, you know. So just go cold turkey on it. Like but you, you yeah, mentioned
2: going from you know all of a sudden earning you know decent coin, and then you know that being sort of not such a hard thing to splash out a bit of cash on that kind of stuff. And I mean, how do you think young blokes now deal with that sort of stuff? Because the money that young footy players are earning, would be in the, In the exact same situation, and it's it's kind of. Yeah, it's, yeah, stupid to see, you know, how many blokes get themselves into trouble, but it's easy to understand how, you know, how they could being launched into fame and, and you know, big fat wallet.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, sort of we're talking mid-90s, you know, to, to go and bet on a horse, you've got to go to the TAB, fill a ticket out, or you've got to ring a bookie. These days, you've got an app. And you can bet on anything, right? So it's it's there.
1: You can do it at home on Sky yeah. Sports and pun on your phone. Yeah, yeah. Like, so I think it's all that, there.
0: And then there's, you know, online pokies and stuff. It's, you know, it's just, it's there. And I think oh, my advice to any individuals that might have a problem with it, you've got to ask, are you doing it for the right reasons? You know, it's, it's meant to be a social engagement, have a bit of fun with your mates. If you're doing it solely to just try and win, it's never going to happen, guys.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, that's great advice. I mean, and people can quickly fall down that wormhole, I suppose, to win back what they've lost and, and vice versa. Yeah, and, so. and,
0: and people, go, you know, they, it, it's like when they've got a, something going on in their life and if gambling's one of those things that really gets them down after a bad day on the punt and then they go and drink to probably try and numb, numb the pain, it's just a double whammy. A whole yeah.
2: series of coping mechanisms yeah. that flow on. Yeah. How did, you, um, how did you deal with, you know, I guess the fame that came with, you know, excelling in, in rugby league? Uh, and and the media attention, you know, that you would have copped and all that sort of stuff.
0: I think I think when you first start out, you know, it's obviously, you know, um it it feels good, you know. I think when you're you're a kid, you wanted to be up on that pedestal playing for the Broncos, so it's it's exciting to start with, but again, you've got responsibilities. You're representing a a, a club, you know. For me, I was representing my club, my state and my country, so you got to you know, you got a, you got a responsibility there. Um my my parents had a great work ethic, very humble, and they've always been considerate of others. So I grew up in a good environment, and for me, that, you know, it's the same. You know, I like I think I like to think that, um, yeah, you know, meeting people, uh, I, I try and be as respectful as I can to them. Um, so you know, it becomes becomes pretty easy if you just take that sort of, you know, that method into you know, any situation. If you're respectful of others, then everything will be okay.
1: So it's sort of staying grounded, I suppose. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, definitely staying grounded. Humble's always, you know, something that um, my family has probably instilled in me and, you know, it's served me well.
1: Yeah, 100%, mate. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, um, yeah, well, me, we noticed that when you came dropped in for our Tools to Have a TX event and, yeah, you seeked us both out. Like, we spoke about it on the Monday. We're like, oh, yeah, because we left you because we were like, oh, you're getting hounded. But then you came over and, yeah, shook us by the hand and said goodbye. I was just like, didn't need to do that. But, yeah, mate, it's awesome.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, it yeah,
1: certainly
2: left a bloody good mark. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was just like, even no. just turning up, I'd be like, "Wow, that's you know, yeah. that's, that's so awesome." But yeah.
0: uh, easy done, easy done. I mean, I, uh, I heard that uh, uh, it was a good afternoon. I probably got out there at the right time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: mate. So I suppose the next sort of thing we want to talk about is is goal setting, and like that's something this month we're really trying to get out to our listeners. Um, so with an NRL side, and I was fortunate enough to go up to Toowoomba and have lunch last year. And, and Wayne and Sam Burgess came up and were talking at the Hannah's lunch there at the Spotted Cow. And uh, I asked uh, Wayne, how do you, you know, set a goal at the beginning of the year, which is we want to win the premiership, and then how do you keep your guys in check week to week? And he sort of said he was working on like a monthly thing. So I was like, right, this is the next month. This is who we're playing. We think we can beat these guys. We're going to focus in, you know, that was sort of a month block. Like for you, how, how did you as a leader... Get all the guys around at the beginning of the year and say, "Right, we're going to go for it this year." And how did you get them up every week?
0: Yeah, to be honest, I wasn't um, a big goal setter. I was. There's a saying that sports scientists use: is focus on the process, not the outcome. So, I think if you, if you every day you do, you know. things well um in terms of your routine you know get all your sleep right eat right and you come to training and you leave with your actions um that'll drive the outcomes you want um we can be sometimes we can be too i guess distracted by the outcome we're trying to achieve and it might be it, it, it almost might be unrealistic at the time you know but and you sort of along that journey you, you can maybe feel yourself not getting there um which can be you know, sometimes be a negative. But, you yeah, know, for me, it, my my goal was always, um, you know, to, to come to, to training, train well, um, and, and and at the same time enable the players around me or the people around me to be the, their best version. So that's probably, you know, not. I guess I'm not setting tangible goals, but that was just a goal for me personally to do that. And I know if I do that... Um, and I'm, you know, I'm leading at the same time. I'm, I'm trying to be the ve- best version of myself. Yeah, right. Yeah, so,
2: I, yeah. I completely relate to that, actually, to be honest, lucky because, like, I, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously it's good to have goals and it's good to have, you know, say maybe you want to buy a house or this or that, this, that or the other. But a lot of people don't particularly have goals and they don't maybe not know what they want to achieve, but it's it's gold what you said. It's not, you don't have to, you know, particularly have a, a big Dirty, nasty goal, but to focus on doing the little things right every day and being the best person that you can be, and I guess sort of letting things play out by you know putting in your in your best efforts just just in general right? daily, daily, yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah well, absolutely. I suppose like were you got like as an NRL team, were you setting goals then, or was it just week to week stuff?
0: Oh, I think I think at the start of the season you'd be you know you'd you'd have a couple of goals maybe in your game you want to be better at so. For me, it, you know, it was always you know making sure my defence was in good order. Okay, so if that's a goal, what have I got to do to make sure I I give that the best chance of achieving that goal? So that means you know either extra training, working on it. It's just it's always easy to say oh, I I'll, I'll, I'll tackle better next week. What are you, What are you going to do in that week to make sure that you do tackle better? You know, and it's not words is one thing; it's actions, right? But you you've actually got to put some effort into the the skill itself to get better at it. So, I, I would say I was a goal setter on a maybe a week to week basis. Where I, if I was poor one week, I needed to work out what it was I needed to fix up, and I'd, I'd make sure I'd put processes in place, so I gave myself the best chance of getting the outcome I wanted.
1: Yeah. Okay.
2: So, for instance, like I suppose if someone you know has got to lose a whole heap of weight, which can seem like a massive daunting task, well, it's not about losing the fifty kilos. It's just about going to the gym this week consistently.
0: I'm yeah, setting a that routine. You're yeah. setting a routine. Well, it's it's probably, you know, obviously going to the gyms or exercises. You know, I've always been a great advocate of exercise. I, you know, I try and exercise, you know, r- quite regularly since I have finished. And well,
1: Dan can vouch for that. He sees you running up Milton Road. <laughs> yeah, I told you, I ripped the lid off. <laughs>
2: you're in good shape, mate.
0: <laughs> I uh, I use it as my thinking time, my meditation time. Like I enjoy my run. It's probably you know not even twenty minutes, but it's. It's a good way to start the day. It gets um, gets your your mind active, and uh, if i have got things that I've got going on, like I pretty much focus on what's ahead of me for the day. Mm. Okay, what's my first uh, commitment? How do I execute that well? And what have I got after that? So, that's that's my meditation time. It gets me ready for the day, um, and then I'll do the same thing again the following day. That's so your routine,
1: yeah, yeah. amazing. Or we'll
2: processes type person.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm just. And, and I've always been a strong believer in if you if you do the process well, the outcome will look after itself.
1: And that's probably yeah, a really important thing for you as an individual is making sure you stick to that routine and sort of like not let outside things impact you still getting that done. Is that?
0: Yeah, 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 100%. I think, um, as I said, that success in life doesn't come easy, right? So you've got to work hard at it. And there'll be times where, um, you you know, you might find yourself being a little bit sort of distracted or you've been sort of pulled away from your routine a bit, but, you know, every now and then that's going to happen, but it's about, you know, getting back to that, that routine you know works for you as soon as you can. So yeah. when
2: you hear athletes and just people in general saying it's about doing the little things right, it's something you hear a lot. It's a it's a quite a literal thing every single day, you mean. Yeah, you know? yeah, and
0: look, mm. you know, sometimes it depends at that really elite level in sport. Like, it's it's pretty, you know, it's, it's really sort of diligent in terms of wha- what they're going to do, where they're going to be, in terms of what they eat. and yeah, So that's – it, I guess it's working out a, a routine or a process that, that is suitable for you and know that it's going to give you the best chance of being successful.
1: Yeah, amazing. I suppose another question we've got is the low points, and that's losing, obviously, in rugby league. And, like, one game that came to mind was, like, 2008. Um, it was Wayne's last game at Suncorp. You guys played the storm. They won on the bell. Big GI uh, went over, and I still I can vividly remember watching it at, in the boarding house at school. Yeah. And like all the Broncos are just inconsolable. Mm-hmm. I mean, how? Just run us through that. Like you were that at that point, you were so close to a grand final. You know, wanted to send Wayne off on the right note. Run us through. You know how you were feeling as an individual, and sort of how you came back out of that um, over the off season, I suppose.
0: Yeah, um well it was p- up until that date that was probably the only that was the, the only time I'd lost a, a big game like that in that those circumstances. When you lose on the bell um in a big game it's quite heart-wrenching because you you go through so many thoughts about what if we had have done this and what if we had have done that the result would have been different. Um yeah, obviously Wayne leaving uh um you know there was it was yeah, it just it just hurt in front of our home crowd. Um Know, we had the game in the bag and it didn't didn't you know the last the last play of the game really they they come so it was just just in that moment it was just so hard to, to cop and I as I said I'd never sort of lost a big game like that before in my career it happened again um, the, the Kiwis beat us in a four nations um, tournament at, at Suncorp uh, pretty much the last play of the game they went down the sideline uh, and Benji Marshall um, he scored the the winning try, and so that that was a bit heartbreaking too. Um, so yeah, look, how do you get over it? Well, you just um, you just you just got to put it behind you. Like I I was always a firm believer in that you can't change the past, you can learn from it, but you don't want to look you know you don't want to look too far ahead either. You want to sort of focus on what's in front of you now. Um, so go away in the off season when you come back as a group. Um, you know what do we got to do, guys, to to get better?
1: Reset and put it behind you. It's,
0: it's a
2: long. Se- how many? How much time do you have off between seasons and like between um, the end of season and pre-season? Month well, two well, months.
0: Sort of now that um, the players have got a players union that's quite strong, it's minimum eight weeks now. Um, but you know, back when the union um, wasn't as I guess prominent or, or vocal, uh, you could come back from a kangaroo tour, you know, in sort of late November, uh, and you know. Uh, some clubs, the Broncos are pretty good at it. Bro- Wayne was always, you know, pretty um, thoughtful around making sure his rep players had time off. But some guys would come back late November and they'd be back at training sort of January 1, you know, so they get, get four weeks off. But uh, that's that's good mentally, but physically it's, it might not be enough.
1: Pretty demanding, mm. yeah, I suppose. How many times a week would
0: you train? Um, oh, look, these days it's, you know, I mean, in the pre-season you pretty much train six days a week, yeah. Um, it's and then full on. yeah, uh, and then when the season starts, you still you probably that in this in the modern game, you are still probably lucky to get one day off. Yeah, I mean the workload on some days is very light, but you know it's it's you know on a seven day turnaround, the players would probably get one day to rest, and then they'll have maybe one day through the week where they get it off.
1: Yeah,
2: you mentioned um, your running now uh, post career is like your sort of form of meditation, bit of time to switch off. Did that? Were you doing that while you were still playing, or was the training schedule too full on?
0: Uh, no, I, I think, you know, if you want to get an edge over your opponent, and maybe you've just got to go that little bit extra, um, you know, then, so I, I, was, you know, I'd do what I had to do at training, but I knew as I got older, if I wanted to have that edge over, you know, some of the younger opponents or even my younger teammates, I just needed to do that little bit extra. <laughs> so, so me you know, going for a, a bit of an extra run was, was something I did late in my career and I thought it held me in good stead because if you look at it, when you're out on the field, you make your errors mainly when you're fatigued. So mm. if you if you limit the amount of time you're fatigued, then you're making good decisions.
1: Yeah, abso- and that's what um, yeah, Shiloh was saying as well, sort of like the... The way you're portraying your look, and sort of like, you know, if it's the 78th minute and they're packing a scrum, like, don't have your hands on your heads, or like, and don't breathe too loud because you don't want the opposition to think that you're, you're gassed because yeah. they're going to target you. Yeah, yeah, well, your
0: body language is crucial, you know, when you're in adverse times you know when you might be under the pump you've got injuries or penalties going against you you need you need good body language and from, from where i the position i played i had to be quite vocal and communicate a lot so if you've if you've got a bit of gas in you still you can still be really yeah a really good communicator when when often the other players are struggling
1: yeah when uh it was you know 2006 origin series um you know we'd lost one 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 it might have been the other way around. But then we were down, you know, five minutes to go. Um, how did you get keep the the Maroons up and the morale up when we were down with, with time to go? You know, I'm interested in how a leader and I suppose a leadership group that you had in there kept everyone up and saying, we're still in this, you know what I mean? How do you keep them going?
0: Yeah, I think... Um I think you know in 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 that situation there there was probably there's a th- there was three of us that were probably had a little bit more riding on that that moment there was myself Petro Sevenecever and Steve Price you know we're sort of the elder blokes in the team and we hadn't won a series for for a number of years it was, we'd lost the previous three and we were staring down the bell of four in a row and at that point in time that's the first time in history that any team had won or or lost um four series in a row so I remember when we were down 14-4 like and we're pretty dejected in the in the in goal area and we had a couple of rough calls goes go go against us but I think you just again you you just got to give people in that moment something tangible to focus on like um, so there was just pretty simple instructions about guys we have just got to get the footy we'll kick early get it down the other end and we'll just put pressure on their attack with our defense so with our line speed you know, it's pretty simple, but it just gives them something to focus on because you, you know, if if a leader stands there, you know, ponders and looks like he's devoid of you know answers or solutions, then you know, yeah, who's, who's gonna that's what I mean? Yeah, stuffed, right? so
1: how did you was that something that was a coach into you or something that you just learnt on your journey as a rugby league player to just always stay up and just be like, keep your chin up, I've got to look right myself and my own mentality to get everyone else around me? Is that something? Or did yeah. you just always know what to do?
0: Well, I, I think there would have been advice along the way that would have said that, but I think you just learn along the journey that, you know, you've been in that situation before and standing there doing nothing and looking dumbfounded is not going to work. You've actually got to give the guys something to believe in and it's got to be tangible, right? So, um, and, th- you know, I, if I go through the last sort of 10 minutes of that game, we got the ball back and it was a bit of Jonathan Thurston brilliance. He stepped... <laughs> And he got through and he threw the ball to Brent Tate and Tatey showed mm. great speed to score down, down the sideline. Um, and he scored right under the post. So it was now 14-10 uh, with less than five to go. So we're still behind, but we've got a bit of, bit of a spark about us. And, again, it was just reinforcing the same message we said five minutes ago. Like, guys, let's get the footy, kick it early and let's just put some pressure on them without effects. And, you know, that's, we were just following the game plan and basically, when I I remember when I pushed up off the line, I had Petro inside me, and Tony Carroll, and they were coming with me. And
1: did you know he was going to throw that ball that far? Well,
0: all I was thinking was, whoever catches the ball, I'm going to try and smash land. him. I wasn't yeah. just going to try yeah. and stop, you know, yeah. get in his face and ball and all tackle right there and then. But as it was starting to come towards the ground, um, I thought I'm a chance <laughs> here, so I just accelerated <laughs> towards it, and the footy god shone. It just bounced up right on the <laughs> chest and. It, it was on. It was and on,
1: yeah. An eight straight, never forget.
0: <laughs> well, that's where it started. I mean, it was, a, it was a turning, it was a massive turning point for me personally because, my, you know, if, if we lose that game, you know, myself, Petro and Steve Price, we're probably gone, right? We'd, you know, we're no longer in the Queensland team. We definitely wouldn't have been captain anyway. Um, you know, and I wouldn't have been a part of the six years after that and, you know, I wasn't there for the, for the eight but I was there for, for six and – um yeah so you know I could have my my legacy and 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 Petras and, and steve's could have been a hell of a lot different than what ended up
1: yeah it's amazing what yeah course of events split second yeah can happen eh? Little yeah well you,
0: you know i i think the saying you make your own luck um i think that's 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 relevant in <laughs> footy and in life um i think if you if you end a sort of yeah, you know, work hard, you'll get some lucky breaks along the way.
2: But again, it's that common theme which you keep sort of going back to, it's about doing those little things right and what you can you know, like you're saying, how do you keep the guys up? It's not come on guys, let's go, we can do this. It's like this is what we're doing in the next play, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you've actually done the little things right and then the
0: universe giving you a bit yeah.
2: back, right?
1: And battling through, I suppose, not yeah, letting it get you down and just always forging on, you know?
0: Yeah, I think as you as you evolve into a more senior player within a group or in business or on the work site you' sort of become a bit more resilient but you also are aware of the situations you might have been in before and I think as a leader that's when you've got to stand up and that's where the good leaders they they they're born in those situations where you're facing you know you're facing adversity and you know the younger part of the group are looking for something and they're looking for their leaders to stand up and that's and it's a challenge but it's an opportunity for those those people that want to aspire to be a leader to know that in adverse times, that's when you really need to be...
1: Get uh, going. Yeah. When
2: it comes to leaders, what, what you're talking about, like, do you look at other, other people out there and take inspiration or, you know, have you got sort of other kind of mentors that, that you looked up to throughout your career? And even cross-code, like, or, you know, in other parts uh, of life? I, I,
0: I probably just respect, um, you know, um, good performance over long periods of time um, across all codes. You know, like, I think... Yeah, you, know, you look at those tennis players. Um, you know, to keep sort of, you know, they, they're comfortable. They don't have, they don't need money, right? They got money. They're comfortable in their life, but they keep turning up to tournaments, and they, you know, they're competitive, and they, they want to keep winning. Um, so you know, the, the Federers, you know, the Nadals, you know, so, you know, Leighton Hewitt's a great example too. You know, like I, I, what I, I really respect people that get every inch out of their potential. because um, they've had to work hard to do that. And people ask me who's, you know, one of the players you you love to playing with. And there's a guy called Michael Devere that used to play at the Broncos. He's not... You know, not everyone knows Michael, but...
1: You remember him for getting his head staple instead yeah, yeah, of origin. Yeah, 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 That's
0: right. <laughs> yeah. No, people won't forget that. <laughs> um, but he won premierships with us. You know, he played for his state, um, New South Wales. Um, and he played for his country. Now, um, he was a guy that was so dedicated to his preparation. Um, he he was a guy that just fully reached his potential. That He was the reason why I gave the goal-kicking up, because... I I'd, I'd kick after the training I'd kick for 15 20 minutes he'd still be there like 45 minutes to an hour later right just really dedicated but he got out, out of the talent he's gotten had he got every inch out of it and I totally respect that because you know he what he got in life he he's he's earned it
1: yeah and I suppose when you get to a um a point in your career like that it would probably be easy to just take the off the accelerator and sort of cruise along. I've made it. I can just sort of. But for him to keep pushing through, I suppose that's why he's stuck with you. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Kept I just,
0: in. I just, I just think that you know, someone dedicated like that, and to get the rewards, is a, it's a really satisfying thing to see.
2: Yeah, and then you, yeah, I guess, guess you've got guys like Brent Tate, who, um, I mean, I wouldn't know what his work ethic is like off the field, but he was crippled with injuries throughout his career, right? And just, you know, so unfortunate. To watch someone go through all of that, right?
0: Yeah. Oh, look. He, you know, he he's got great work ethic, trained really hard, uh, really good team player. Um, but he came back from three rico's, mm. um, and the fourth one ended him, that, yeah. his career. But I went through one, and I got to say that was that was hard, Yaka. So yeah, uh, that's a good point, mate. You know, you got players that build themselves back up after serious injury. That's I take my hat off to them too.
2: Something else. I mean, I've had one knee recall as well, and
1: I'm and he never shut up about
2: nowhere <laughs> it. Nowhere near a professional athlete, <laughs> but my god, they, they suck. Like it's yeah, just, yeah. to see someone go through that many. Yeah, it's incredible yeah, to no. think. Yeah,
0: well, you know, to get through that is 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 such a good thing. But it also um, it it'll put him in good stead for the rest of his life. You know, because I'm sure there'll be times where he'll be challenged and you know things will be tough. But um, he's through that experience he's, he knows how to he's built resilience.
1: Resilience, yeah. Well, Greg Martin touched on that in his podcast. He blew his knee out um it was his debut game for the Wallabies. It was like the first 5 minutes and his knee blew out and then it was obviously back like right back in the day and for him to build back through that he just said it made him so tough um because it was such a hard and long process and there wasn't all the physio and stuff that you get now. Um and it was like a full cast he was saying. Like he didn't just have the knee brace. Yeah. Like he had a full cast from your hip down to try and keep it all in place like yeah, pretty hard. Yeah, what was it? A bit over,
2: like over a year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was 12 it? months or something. Yeah, yeah. Over, yeah, over 12 months. And yeah, it's a long time for a professional athlete to bounce back from that. Back yeah. In those days. Bloody oath.
1: Uh, life after football. I mean, a lot of people that uh, are involved with Trademart and listen to our podcast, uh, you know, FIFO people, they're obviously working away. I mean, in a sense, when the like NRL seasons on and when you were obviously playing as well, but now when you're in the media, I suppose you are sort of doing a lot of FIFO type stuff. Yeah. How do you manage that with your young family and, and everything like that work-life balance to a degree?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, my my theory is uh, I just, if, you know, I'm away on the road a lot, but if I, if there's an opportunity to get home, I get home and then make the most of that time with your family. It's, you know, I'll, I'll probably go maximum... Three days, you know. Usually, it's just overnight back. Um, so, you know, I, I look at FIFOs, and you know, they they could be away for seven days, could be away for two weeks. You know, so you sort of the challenge there is you, you potentially start to disconnect from your family at home when you get back. It takes time to adjust back into that family life. So, you know, my challenges are different to what you know some others are are out there. But I think if you've got you've got that intent to want to, um, you know. Guess, get home as much as you can when you can and make that time while you got it um, uh, with the family. Quality time, then I think you're you give yourself the best chance,
1: yeah, absolutely. I suppose, yeah. Well, talking about my relationship with my wife, like she's her love language is quality time, so that's something I've always i learned, still learning. Wait, but her what love languages, <laughs> yeah, love languages, gifting, um, um what is it, words <laughs> of affirmation. Mate, pre-marriage counselling. I learn all this stuff. It's fantastic, and yeah, so hers is quality time. So a big thing, like she just went away for ten days overseas for work, and yeah, when she got back, it was just like, yeah, I've got to put in quality time, um, otherwise, like she'll feel like she's yeah losing that connection to a degree.
0: Yeah, it's, it's uh, as I said, I, I've not been a full-on FIFO worker, but I can I can sort of I've worked in and around the mining game, and I can. I know that that's you know it's a it's a big challenge for a lot of those workers out there. Um, I guess you just need to sit down as a, a couple or a family and just work out, you know, what what everyone wants or needs in the, in that situation and, and, and try and make it work.
1: Yeah,
2: absolutely. I guess what a lot of the FIFO guys are working with is um, you know, I suppose the financial pressures and the and the need to you know really need to be out there to to. Keep providing for their families, and then you know they come back, and a lot of the times they feel disconnected from the family dynamic because they're sort of away for for so long at a time, you
1: know. And they're wondering what they're doing it all for, I suppose, in to a degree.
2: Yeah, and they're not the they're not the primary disciplinarian and, and all that sort of stuff. You know, I hear that a lot that they kind of feel out of place when they come back, which would be a very very tough yeah dynamic to come back into.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's just sitting down as a family and understanding that the challenges is you know just work well, this lifestyle's going to present for us, but how, you know, just talk it through and how do we work out some solutions around dealing with it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's very important, like that line of communication again, having conversations. That's what we're doing.
2: You see, like, you are um, an icon of Australian sport, right? But we see the good times, we see the all the, you know, the, the wins. I mean, we talked about a couple of those heartbreaking losses that you experienced, but... I suppose we don't always get to see an insight of some of the challenges that you go through personally. Um, you know, is that have you been through things in your in your career and ex- extended career that have really sort of tested you out? You know that that, that we don't see you know in the champion Darren Lockyer.
0: Um, oh, look, I'm like anyone else. You know, there's there's times, and I always sort of you know playing at an elite sport level. It's a roller coaster ride, and and there's the I guess the peaks and troughs are quite significant. Um you know, there's nothing better than winning a, a grand final um with your teammates, nothing better than winning an origin series with your teammates. It's a massive high. I always say the only way you reach that same high in life after footy is is you know when you when you, you know, have children. Right? That that euphor- euphoric feeling, mm. you know when you have your child, it's that that happens regularly as a, an elite sportsman, but obviously the troughs are very low as well. So um but I I think you know, going through that sort of um, roller coaster ride in sport has put me in good stead after football because I, I know that, like anyone else, out there, they're going to have some good times and they are going to be times where you have been challenged in life. And I think you just got to understand that those times will come. It's just knowing, or it's just being prepared um, that you're ready for the challenge when it does come. And and I always tell myself that you know it might be a challenge right now, but it's not going to last. You know, I just got to really hang in there, hang in there. Do the, the best I can through this period in time, and know that things will
2: turn. Mm. I think it's something that you kind of don't consider. I mean, as fans and, and and whatnot, you know, you you see the best of it, and you know, you give them hell, I suppose, from a distance. But then, guys like, uh, uh, I mean, Brett Finch is, I guess, been pretty, you know, been going through a lot of stuff himself, and and actually, to your point, hasn't been able to reach those highs that he's felt from footy in, you know, after. F- Post footy life, I suppose you don't consider that there's probably a shitload of athletes out there going through the same oh, same yeah, things. Yeah.
0: No, no doubt. I mean, I, I'm fortunate as when I retired, I had a lot of opportunities put in front of me. A lot of players, when they uh, sport across all codes, um, if they don't have the you know the high profile, then those opportunities don't present themselves. So they've sort of got to start again and build themselves up and find an. Find their identity away from football. Um, that's not an easy thing to do. Um, but again, um, you know, obviously, family support and people around them is critical to that. But it's it's probably just understanding it as an individual that you know if you're gonna go through this, you know, you need to yourself. You know, you need to. It's going to be challenging on you, but you need to be the first one to put your hand up and say, "Right, I'm I'm willing to make this work," because um, you can't just rely on other people to fix it up for you.
2: Well, that's an important point. It yeah. is, yeah, for sure. And I, I, from my understanding, come, coming from you know playing for a, for a professional footy team, everything is kind of structured and, and laid out for you, and you're almost told, you know, wh- where to be, you know, all the time. You know, almost kind of wipe your ass a little bit for you. Is that sort of correct? That yeah. Oh yeah. Look, I think
0: I think you're you're in you've been put into a routine, but it's not the routine you've chosen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have in a way, but it's actually you know you've got a I guess a structure around you that you live inside it. Um, that's your that's your, your your routine, and then when you leave that, it's it's totally new or foreign to them. Um, and the games, the NRL is starting to do a lot more around how they get players prepared better for after footy. Um, doesn't matter how much how well you're prepared, you still you're still going to go through challenges, and some will have big, have big challenges, some will have not so big. But I think it's just as I said, as an individual, if you if you if you want to. Be successful in life, you still have to, you know, put your hand up yourself and, and, and want to be the one that finds you know the answers. You can't just rely on other people around you to try and fix things for you.
1: Yeah. And I suppose the interesting thing I pick up out of that is that you had the routine and then life after footy you set your own routine, like you're getting up and going for your run every day. So you sort of you've just reinvented your day-to-day
0: yeah I can't speak high enough around sort of regular exercise I think it's it's really good for your mind and your mental state um but yeah I've again I'm focusing on the process not the outcome yeah you know so every day I just want to do that do that well and if I've got um, responsibilities or commitments you know I want to make sure I fulfill those and and, and, um, at the end of the day you feel satisfied with how you went yeah and the next day it's on again
1: absolutely well I'm satisfied. I mean, yeah, it's bloody unreal. Have um, you got any other
2: questions, mate? I'm interested <laughs> about uh, you know you've you've ended up you're the director of One Key Resources now. You mentioned and you know you're in and around mining a little bit. How did that come about for you? And like, at what point in your career did that sort of start to become a you know a, a post footy kind of? Um,
0: so the way the way it came about was. Yeah, you know, when I retired in 2011, I said I had opportunities to go to – one of them was One Key Resources. They, they were a company that was looking for brand awareness, so they, they, I became an ambassador to create awareness around their brand. But just my natural instinct is to want to understand the business so I can you know, talk about it um, with good – you know, educated um, So people, if they're asking me about it, I'm telling them the right thing. So I got to understand the business – and then I also felt that, you know, some of the lessons I'd learned over here playing on the footy field, I can sort of you know, translate that over to, to, to uh, you know, I guess, the business world. Um, mm. And then I went from an ambassador to then, you know, working within the business and then becoming a director. Yeah.
2: It's something I've picked up about you, even when we just met uh, the other weekend and, and today, um, you are quite inquisitive or you like to understand um, you know, what's going on, who you're around, you like to know the detail and you really take the time, I think, from, from, from what I can see to yeah, to understand who who you're dealing with or what's going on to, to be nice and well informed.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, you guys are doing a you know great cause here, you know. Um so for me, oh there's a, there's a lot of great causes out there and I wanna know as much as I can about those causes and where I can potentially assist. Uh so you know, I, I think you guys are, you know, doing a wonderful thing and you're good people and, um, you know, so th- from my perspective, I want to understand how it works and how you're going to, you know, achieve the, re- I guess, the outcomes you're looking for and, mm. um, yeah, so I'm always being inquisitive, yeah. Yeah, no, so I like
2: that and, like, th- um, and super appreciative, mate, because, yeah, it's, um, yeah, you, yeah. It's it's really cool and uh, I like how you yeah you 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 seem like you really care like it comes across uh, upon first meeting you I think that must be something that's probably carried you through your career and reflects the success that you've had as well
0: Yeah I've you know I've been fortunate to have the parents I had and obviously having mentors like you know Wayne Bennett and having life experiences through that sort of elite level Melmaninga um you know so it's put me in good stead um, you know and I'll I'll sort of Rely on those experiences for the rest of my life. You
2: uh, you'd be an, an you'd be an ambassador, I would imagine, for a lot of organisations. So are you doing a lot of a lot of um, you know out, outside sort of support work?
0: Um, I, I don't. S- there's a lot of causes out there. I'm not an official ambassador for. I just, as I said, I, I think people are driven to around good causes um, and a professional outfits. I'm happy yep. to sort of support where I can. Um, and sometimes that could be just you know turning up to an event. I, I did do it, a doing a podcast. Doing a podcast. So, um, yeah, I, I believe in uh, you know more good things you do in life, um, more luck you'll get.
2: Do you have yeah. lots of people coming at you? Do you get lots of like different people coming at you, wanting dragging you here, there, and everywhere, wanting you to be everywhere?
0: Uh, yeah, it it sort of it ebbs and flows, you know. Some particularly around state of origin, you know, <laughs> everyone's talking about origin, so you know you. They want you to go there, do this, talk about that. Um, you know, I'm also conscious. I've got a young family at home still and it's important that I'm you know, I'm around as much as I can because this is the years where they, mm. um, you know, like you, like always there's a lot of phrases that stick in my mind and a lot of parents always say make the most of this time because you'll never get it back. And so, you know, I try and make the most of the time I've got with my family but at the same time, you know, I'm a, I like. Know, working in business, and I'm out there doing that stuff as well. So it's a bit of a uh, a juggling act, but you know, I couldn't be happier. Do you, you have
2: somebody. do you, do you do you know how to say no? Are you good at that, or is it something oh, that's
0: I'm better now. You are. I, I used to be uh, someone who couldn't. Yeah. Um. But I think it's it's a trait that, uh, um. You know, sometimes you 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 you've got to have. You mm. know, you got to be able to if you because again, if I'm saying yes to everything, then my family suffers. So. Um, yeah, they're my priority right now, but at the same time, I still want to g- go out there and give back to where I can with the good causes um, at, and, you know, I guess do what I need to do for in my bis- business world. Yeah, wow. How, how old are your kids? So three boys, nine, seven, six, and a little girl, 18 months.
2: You got a whole footy team there. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, it's, uh, so my wife, she, uh, you know, we've got... Monday afternoons are off. We've got swimming on Tuesdays. It's AFL and soccer on Wednesdays and then it's rugby league Thursdays. So sometimes play rugby league on a Friday night. And they play rugby league Sundays and AFL Saturdays. So it's you know, it's it's a it's a juggling
1: act. Actually I do have one more question. <laughs> with your with your boys coming through, like obviously they're gonna know that their dad's down Lockyer. Like have you thought about how you're gonna manage them? And like their expectations on what success looks like. Well, they probably already do. Like they yeah, already like, know. Do that. they already know that? Like, yeah. as in, like they don't have to be as good as you were.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. I, look, I, I, I encourage them to play all sports, and they will work out which which one they like. But my, yeah, you know, I don't. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm competitive, and I think they'll work that out naturally. But I, you know, I just want them to go out there and give their best, right? And it's sportsmanship as well. So if you get beaten, I don't I don't want you to. Yeah, you know, throw a tantrum, um, like I did that night against Melbourne Storm. Um, I, I just want you to be fair, honest, and and, and and sort of never give up. Play with integrity. Yeah. So and look, that takes time to instill in them, but um, yeah. So that's that's important to me because I that ain't you know, for me. I, you know, um, it's not about how well they do in sport. It's it's about how well they do. Away from sport is probably more important to me. But if they love their sport and they're they're good at it, then at some point in time they'll have to, you know, potentially knuckle down and work hard at it.
1: Yeah, amazing, amazing. It seems to be
2: uh, like yeah, uh, something that you have kept going back to throughout this podcast is about uh, you know the success of guys like Michael Devere and you know just focusing on these little things and just you know integrity is key and you know um, putting in the putting in the hard yards and and the rewards will come.
0: Yeah, that's it. Success success doesn't come easy. You gotta mm. work at it. Mm. No want, one
2: sees that no one sees that effort that you put in, do they?
0: No. If you work at it, the rewards will come.
2: Yeah, nice. Thanks, Lockie. Well, um, man, it's been a cracker.
1: Unreal. Unreal. Last before we go, because we are recording this in January twenty twenty. Who's gonna win the premiership this year?
0: Well if we take the Broncos out of the equation, um, I think they'll be improving, uh, but it's probably a bit uh optimistic to see them winning if you take the Broncos out um, I'm just trying to remember who so you put I, him on the
2: spot I had
1: to
0: ask it. I, I think that I still think the Raiders will be I think they'll be hurting from last year and I, I reckon they'll have another good year so maybe the Raiders
1: okay awesome locked in I'd like to see the Raiders get up yeah the milk the Milk. Yeah, 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 great. The milk <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> awesome thanks so much for your time um, Darren it was awesome really appreciate it, yeah, appreciate it pleasure, my pleasure thank you good on you If you're a fan of Trademutt's 120-grit podcast, we'd love to hear from you.
2: Send us a message on Facebook or Instagram or shoot us an email at admin at trademutt.com.